When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by my regular co-host, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster for episode 258 of the show. Uh, Keaton, welcome back from your hiatus. Where are, you, uh, where are you podcasting from right now? I'm podcasting from my apartment, although uh, first thing in the morning, I'm, I'm headed back to Seattle. Okay. You're a, you're a West Coast man these days, so... Yeah. Are you uh are are you dealing with the time adjustment or is that has that been messing you up a little bit? Um, that part has been okay. The it's the like waking up and like having an inbox full of, like everybody else that I'm working with. Their day is half over and I have to spend my morning catching up. <laughs> and then like at like ten thirty, I feel like I've already worked a day. My day hasn't actually started yet. So that's the weird part. <laughs> so but you don't the, just uh, wake up at three to like accommodate everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, but like the fun. actual hours difference—that's fine. That's easy to handle. Cool, cool. Never been to Seattle, but I'd like to get out there at some point. Yeah, it's nice. Um, all right, we have a very full show for you guys today. We're going to get you caught up on some news and notes and some transactions off the top. We're going to talk a little bit about some uh, interesting comments that Xander made post-game. We're going to hit on the rules that baseball is putting in uh, in 2023. Baseball's competition committee just approved three new rules for next season. We're going to talk about the MILB Players Union And then we're going to get to an excellent batch of listener questions. So you guys really stepped up to the plate with that. So thank you very much. Uh, Let's get right to it, Keaton. Uh, The Red Sox have placed Franchi Cordero on the 60-day IL since the last time we podcasted. Uh, They brought up Abraham Almonte uh, instead of Jalen Davis, uh, who was my prediction for who they were going to bring up. Uh, but today they they actually DFA'd Jalen Davis, so it's it's uncertain whether or not he will remain uh, in the uh, organization. But they claimed Yu Chang from the Rays, so it's kind of an interesting deal. Almonte, not really, you know, a very interesting guy, thirty three year old journeyman. Uh, but Yu Chang, that's an interesting guy, former top prospect for the Cleveland Indians. He came up as a shortstop. Uh, he hasn't had a great year with the uh, Rays, who have been using him as a utility guy, but he plays good defense at a few different positions. He started 
39 games at second base, 9 at shortstop, 8 at first base, uh, 7 at third base. Kind of a Swiss Army knife. He's 27. He's got a little bit of pop. What do you think about uh, the acquisition of uh, Yu Chang here? Yeah, when I saw that, the I mean, the name immediately rang a bell as a former top prospect. So I was immediately like, oh, hey, that's interesting. Uh, and then went to see what was going on. And then, like you said, like he's on his third team this year. It's not a whole lot going on. Um, I think it's interesting. I mean, I don't know if they'll get anything out of it. Um, but, you know, kind of see what happens. I thought it was uh, an interesting ad just based off of the former pedigree. But um, I don't think there's much there. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of... um. I think there's a chance that Yu Chang sticks around with the club as uh, sort of a utility guy in the corners um, because, you know, next year they could very well run out a bench of one of Wong or Maguire, uh, Rob Refsnyder, um, Christian Arroyo. And then, you know, I kind of think Yu Chang might be a little bit more interesting as a bench piece than Bobby Dahlbeck because... Um, he's a little bit of a better defender. He can play all the positions that Dahlbeck can. Um, and, you know, the bat's not so bad. Um, so, I, I don't know. I kind of like it. I wouldn't be surprised if he stuck with the team. I say, if memory served, I thought he could steal some bases in the minors. He did have some seasons of double-digit steals. Um, but really, hasn't ran since 2017. That's kind of surprising. That's That's... Probably not going to get anything out of that. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah, no, uh, no wheels left on him at this point. He's a he's a yeah. bit of a thick guy, but he's still a good athlete. But you know, interesting nonetheless. Um, another another note: uh, Hirokazu Sawamura was granted his release uh, from the team after asking for it. Uh, he wanted to pursue other opportunities, so. I would assume that this pretty much closes the book that was already mostly closed on his Red Sox career. Yeah, I would think so too. And um, I imagine he didn't get claimed because then someone would have to give something up. But now as a free agent, I imagine someone will probably scoop him up. Yeah, hopefully he lands in a good spot and gets another opportunity because I always kind of liked Salamora. Uh, in his stuff a little bit more than it seems Cora did. And uh, I know you liked him even more than I did, so I'm, I'm yeah, sure he'll get picked up. <laughs> okay, uh, so that's it for news and notes. Not a whole lot going on at the major league level right now, but our top story is Xander Bogarts and his interesting comments after I believe it was last night's game or two nights ago. Um, yeah. You, uh, you know, weren't on the big Xander podcast last week with, with Bob. We kind of spent a, a whole lot of time talking about Xander. Um, but this is really interesting. There's 21 games left in the season, and he sort of talked about how he was feeling there. So you have the quote in front of you. Would you read us the Xander quote? Sure. Uh, he said, I can't lie. Right now I'm extremely focused. Uh, right now we have 21 games left or whatever the calendar says. I'm just being extremely focused, one pitch at a time. Trying to swing at strikes. I know it's coming down to the finish line, and obviously stuff might get a little emotional. I'm just trying to enjoy the moment. Like I said, I feel like I really need to be locked in, really need to be focused. I'm not saying just to get hits, uh, but to focus. 
Uh, I have to be on point. I feel I want to perform good with everything going on. Uh, and then later said, I just want to enjoy these 20 games as much as possible. As I said, I just need to be extra focused and hopefully mirror for a long time. A long time. But I guess that's not in my control. Okay. So when you heard those comments, you immediately told me, like, we have to talk about this because there's sort of a lot there. And yeah. so the first thing that I, that kind of stood out to me was, you know, him wanting to stay focused because, as we know, Xander Bogarts is currently uh, in the midst of a, a batting title chase. I mean, he's currently leading right now with a 319 batting average. Uh, Luis Arise is his nearest competition at 315, so he's got a little bit of a lead there. Uh, and, he, and he was talking about how good he's feeling at the plate as well. That was sort of part of that sound clip and uh, how different it is from his early season struggles. But there was a part of that that really kind of stuck out to you. What what part was that? The, but I guess that's not in my control part. That really stuck out. Well, there was two things that really stuck out. It was that, those words, but then also his tone. In, in the audio of um, really kind of like the entire uh, quote, he just sounded so exhausted while giving this, like, and just frustrated with the fact that his future is completely unknown and it feels like he can only communicate this so many times to the team that he wants to be here before he's like, are you hearing me? Do you get it? Like, do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? And getting nothing in return. Um, and so at that point, he, I mean, it's he's done all he can do to basically communicate that he wants to be here and that something should have gotten done by now and it hasn't. And it just, I think, the closer it gets to the offseason, he has very clearly resigned himself to the fact that he's not going to be here. And he's you know, coming to terms with that and, you know, trying to fight the emotions of this being his last three weeks here with the team um, and making sure that he's still performing at his best. Uh, and that's so frustrating because it, when a player gets to a point where he's like, it's not in my control. And there's like, I feel like there's two different sides to that. There's like player going into free agent year, Hasn't said anything. It's like, I understand it's business. It's out of my control. You know, we'll see what happens. Versus a player who's like, yeah, I really want to be here and is repeating it often. It's like, yeah, team's going to meet him halfway, right? And if he gets to the point where he says it's not, it's not in my control, he's like, I've laid it all out there for him. They have no interest. It's just, out. it's completely out of my hands. This feels a lot like... Um... The hitter version of the John Lester situation, you know. Yeah, you know, it, it, the the only thing going for us is that they didn't trade Xander at the deadline, uh, you know, making it easier for him to choose to leave. Um, but everything else is pretty much like there, and you can easily see if this situation goes south for Xander and the Red Sox indeed do not sign him to a deal. Uh, some other team stepping in and signing him to an eight-year deal and him going on to have an amazing career with that other team as well. 
uh, and winning another World Series or a few. Um, you know, I just I think that is so in the cards here. And I hope that the Red Sox ownership and John Henry will step in and sort of uh, figure this thing out. We did get uh, a listener question that I wanted to bring up right now about this from uh, the surfing guy. And he asked us how much would we give to Bogey uh, for a contract? Um, you know, my suggestion for the Red Sox is to go eight years, 220 million, which is 27 and a half uh, million per. Do you think Xander would take that if he was offered that by the Red Sox? Yeah. Would you be okay with that type of a deal? Or is that too much money for Xander Bogarts at his age? I mean, it's hard to say because he's not really slowing down. Right. You know, I mean, the power isn't there, but he's been very obviously hurt. And we've seen him bounce back after being healthy. Um, So I expect the power to come back next year. And even beyond that, even though the power isn't there, he's still, like you pointed out, he's uh, leading all shortstops in war, right? He's uh, third in all of the American League. Um, and he's leading the batting race right now. Even though the power is not there, he's still incredibly effective and having the best year of his career. So, yeah, I, I feel okay with that. Eight years seems like a lot. Maybe to go six. But the dollar value, yeah. That, yeah, I, 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 think, I think the Red Sox are probably going to have to go eight if they want to keep him. I'd be surprised if six got him to stay here. Um, maybe they up the AAV to like 30 million bucks and are able to keep them for six. But I feel like, you know, it's, it's the type of situation where someone's going to do it. And, you know, maybe it's Dave Dombrowski in Philly or, you know, it's, it's going to be some team that wants to win and knows the value of Xander Bogarts's leadership. So the Red Sox just really need to get this done. And it is really frustrating that they didn't, you know, learn their lesson here. Uh, I know that Heim Bloom is is different, and he wasn't here when the Lester situation played out. But like, doesn't this seem exactly the same? You know, Lester was super durable, homegrown, high performer. Hmm, sounds a lot like Xander Bogarts. Yeah, that absolutely does. Yeah, and I hate it. Yep, I hate it. I hated it then, and I hate it now. The similarities uh, go all the way to the low balling in spring training, and you know, it's just. It's everything. So, (laughs) and you can even tie it into uh, the Cubs being super interested in Bogarts, right? Yeah. (laughs) Oh man, I uh, I hope he doesn't end up going anywhere. Um, Yeah, Spotrac has uh, Bogarts market value at thirty point eight million, and they have his projected contract at, or I guess market value contract at six years, thirty point eight million. I'd be fine with that. I think that's probably about equivalent uh, of a yeah. contract to the eight-year one that I was talking about. Yeah, so little... that's when you said like if they'd have to go to thirty for six years. I was like, wow, that's exactly what Spotrac says too. <laughs> <laughs> Good guess. You know, this is not the first time on this show that I've been right on track with Spotrac with uh, these guesses. So I don't know. My brain is is getting really used to uh, baseball contracts. Yeah, uh, so killing it, killing it with that. But um, 
Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about this last week when Bob was on the show, so definitely that's the Appreciate Xander episode. So check that one out from last week. But yeah, I agree with you, Keaton. It's troubling. It's it's troubling that, you know, he's still feeling this way with 21 games left in the year and, you know, that no progress has been made, especially as the Red Sox reached out to Kike Hernandez and were able to get something done with him. Obviously, it's very different because Kike has played this entire year, you know, with injury and and he took a one year prove it deal. So it's not really the same thing, but, you know, still uh, just frustrating at this point that we're still talking about this when the season's almost ending. Yeah, it's also incredibly frustrating to to hear. Like we've hear we've heard Bloom and um, Sam Kennedy both. I think a few times mention they want Bogarts here long-term and the team has the resources to keep him here, but they're not doing anything about it. That's really frustrating. Yep. I I don't understand. Uh, You know, they're saying one thing and doing another. So, you know, the the rubber's going to have to meet the road here. Yeah. uh, I know. Xander. Coming into the season, like when spring training finished, Bogart was like, I don't really want to talk contract negotiation during the season because it's kind of distracting. I get that. However, team's completely out of it. They're going nowhere. Didn't stop them from extending Kike Hernandez. Why not have that conversation now? Don't even let him get to the point where he can opt out. Have the conversation now. If you, ha- if you know you have the resources, do it now. Completely agree. It would give the fan base an entirely different feeling heading into a winter with so much uncertainty. Um, if they were able to get that done, it, it would really pump us up. So we need yeah. that. All right. Moving on from this, um, baseball's competition committee has approved three new rules for 2023. Uh, in summary, the rules are the shift is banned uh, and that means essentially two infielders have to be on either side of second base and uh, players cannot line up on the outfield grass unless they are an outfielder. So uh, that is the ban of the shift. Um, the pitch clock has been implemented uh, 20 seconds with runners on 15 seconds without runners on and two pickoff attempts per AB. And finally, a bigger basis to encourage stealing and for safety uh, to ensure that guys like Tristan Casas don't get spiked by runners. Um, I love all of these rules, Keaton. I I love the shift ban. I think the pitch clock is really the bee's knees. Uh, and the bigger basis is cool. Um, what are your takeaways from these three rules? How much bigger are the bases? They're not that much bigger. I don't know the exact dimensions, um, but, you know, a few inches. Yeah, I know that one was being tested, but I just can't remember how much bigger that actually was. But the only one that I really care about is banning the shift, which I think is really stupid and annoying. I feel like that just, like, benefits bad baseball players. Like if one of your most frequent outcomes is that you just like, you know, roll over grounders to the right side. And now you're just going to be rewarded with base hits for that. It's kind of annoying. 
On the flip side, I would just say that I think that before shifting started, the game aesthetically leaned more towards uh, much more athletic uh, infielders to be able to react to some of those balls. And I think that the on-field product was therefore more exciting. And, And over the last 10 plus years, we've seen infielders, especially second baseman, third baseman, um, go from being like these really super duper athletic guys who can make really acrobatic plays, um, to kind of tanks, uh, with, with, uh, you know, the ability to just go up and mash. So I I do like the idea, uh, that it's going to bring infield defense back into the fold, because I find infield defense to be one of the most exciting parts of baseball. Sure. I, I played second. I enjoy a nice, uh, I mean, like a Pedroia-esque middle infielder, especially making those plays going to the left. I'm all for that. I get it. But the uh, just banning, I don't know, banning the shift bothers me so much. that I just feel like if you can align, you should be able to align your fielders however the hell you want and just – if somebody, if 80% of the time they're hitting the ball the exact same spot, um, just put all nine of your guys in that one spot. I don't care. I just, <laughs> uh, that one just bothers me so much. And then also, so, so one thing that I thought was interesting after um, it, it came out that these these rule changes were going to take place, uh, it was Cespedes Family Barbecue tweeted out that in the spring training, they were talking to some front office folks about the potential for these taking place. Uh, in 2023 and um, there was a front office person that was like one potential outcome is you could see like an arena football style uh, move from the shortstop where they start running as the pitch is being delivered to the right side of the field Um, so so that when the batter makes contact then they'll have three fielders on the the right side of the field which I can imagine which I kind of want to see because that would be pretty hilarious just like to watch but also, I can imagine that being incredibly distracting for a hitter to have a fielder constantly running while the pitch is being delivered, like yeah. running through their eye line. Yeah, that which would be distracting. I also kind of want to see. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of hope uh, that that I would find entertaining. So maybe we can see a lot of that. All right. It sounds like you're just rooting for chaos at this point. Oh, yeah. Always. But the pitch clock thing is great. I mean, I don't want to... Um, we've talked a lot about the shift, but... The pitch clock thing is significant to me. Um, you know, they've they've analyzed how much this is cut down on uh, how long games are in the minor leagues, and it's it's very significant. It's like over twenty minutes at some uh, in some studies. So I think that that's you know, as, as somebody who has a one year old and has time constraints, uh, I do really like the idea of a, a quick game, and I like the idea of. Uh, games returning to the pace that they were and the fact that they're they're actually implementing all of these pace of play things you know the limitations on how many batters relievers have to face and you know the throwovers and all these things that I don't find particularly aesthetically pleasing or useful about baseball and I know that purists and maybe you are one of these Keaton um, get bothered by baseball because baseball is the game with no time but this isn't really changing the essence of baseball it's only 
in my opinion, getting rid of the annoying parts of baseball. Well, so I wonder if, so as you mentioned, like it'll cut down on 20 minutes. So we're, we're going from three hours to 240. Yeah. That's not like a huge difference though. It feels like it though. To me, like that, that feels, it feels like a bigger difference than it might seem on paper. I don't know. I guess we disagree there because if you can get well, not closer it. to I'm other just saying sports. Like what, so I guess my thing is what is the what is the point of it? I'm not against it. My thing is like is the point cuz like you want to try and shorten the game to bring in more casual fans. I don't think 20 minutes is going to do it. I don't think people are going to be like, "Oh, that changes everything. I'm so into baseball now." I don't think it's just the the time, though. I, I think it's also, you know, forcing pitchers to work faster, I think, makes their pitchers, their pitches, I should say, easier to hit. You know, there's not as much time to uh, rear back as hard as you can and throw as hard as you can. And I think that maybe this will bring the art of pitching uh, back into the game a little bit more. Guys, maybe not throwing as max effort locating a little bit more maybe there's more balls in play um i think all of these things taken together the shift ban the the pitch clock the more guys going and and trying to steal bases which they have proven that that has been a side effect of the larger bases in the minor leagues all of these things lead to more action on the field and that's just more action in less time that uh that sounds great to me. More action is more time, though, is it not? That's more at-bats. It can be, but it can also just be more action, even if it's just outs, you know, like yeah, exciting yeah. outs, I guess. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, the only one that I'm bothered by is the band. Everything else, I don't really care. I am very pro this. Um, but one question I do have, though, is because infield defense is going to matter – to such a great degree. Do you think this has any impact on the discussions that they're going to have with Xander or Devers? You know, Xander, we've talked about as having the best defensive season of his career inexplicably at age 29. Um, Devers has improved as a defender, but I don't think anyone would really analyze those two and be like, okay, these guys are gold glove caliber defenders. So, you know, do you think this has any impact on those discussions? Yeah, I think it will continue to impact Devers' discussion. I don't think in a good way. Um, the initial extension offer that the Red Sox extended to Devers was based off of the Matt Olson offer because they that um, he Olson signed with Atlanta because they assumed that, and I guess kind of maybe pushed that. Devers was going to need to move over to first base slash DH sooner rather than later. Um, Devers doesn't believe that's going to be the case. So with these changes, they may try and push for that even more <laughs> and continue to lowball him. And I don't think that's going to be a good thing with for the hopes of keeping Devers here on this team. 
Yeah, I agree. I do think that this is going to impact both of those discussions, and I don't think that's, that Devers is going to be offered uh, that $300-plus million deal by the team. I think it's going to be more in line with the the offer that Austin Riley got um, from Atlanta, you know, talking about that recent deal that was signed. I believe it was like $215 bucks. I think he'll get more than that, but less than three hundred offered to him. Um, but I, but I also do agree that it is going to uh, impact the discussions with both those guys, and it's hard to envision it being a positive uh, for keeping either of those players. Yeah, well, if they don't believe the Devers can play shortstop, and they don't third base, think, you mean? Or yeah, well, I guess third base. Well, well, I mean shortstop. I was going to say shortstop and then assume that Trevor Story's like arm isn't good enough to go play shortstop. Then where would that leave him? But yeah, I guess that would leave him at third base. But then they would need to move Devers off of third base in order to make that happen. And so, yeah, it's that not a good conversation for, or not, you know, not a conversation that bodes well for extension talks for either of them. Yeah, I've I've seen an interesting thing bandied about, and you were you were talking about uh, Xander there, and you you said Devers by accident at the beginning, but oh. I know what you mean. Um, but that has been a discussion actually lately that I've seen popping up on Twitter, which is the idea that maybe the team is actually moving towards re-signing Xander with the idea that you know we can find a place for him defensively, even if it's not at shortstop, and potentially trading Devers um, the way that they did bets uh, to kind of maximize the value there um, because they don't think they can come to a deal with it. And I hate it a lot, but like it kind of feels like that's not out of the realm of possibility at this point. Great. <laughs> that's that's the perfect response to that right there. It should not even be justified uh, by a real conversation. Both of these guys should be here for the next eight to 10 years. Yeah. Um, Chad Jennings has analyzed this using some StatCast charts and other wonderful nerdy devices. Um, and he says that Kike and Devers stand to benefit the most from the ban of the shift. They should get a few extra hits. Uh, you surprised by uh, either of those guys getting more hits with the the shift being banned? I I think I was a little surprised by Kike. I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah, not surprised by Devers. Um, Kike, I did not realize was getting shifted that often. Yeah, apparently he fifty one percent of the time, if I remember correctly. So wow. Yeah, kind Interesting. of a lot. Yeah, but it's kind of nuts to be like to see like <laughs> how productive. And good Rafael Devers has been, and then see that, like besides just him getting better because he's young and really good at baseball, like getting rid of the shift is going to boost it that much more. Yeah, I mean, what could he hit? His line like, is going to go nuts, like three <laughs> three fifty. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that'd be crazy. I mean, he was doing that for most of the year this year. <laughs> yeah, until the second half rolled around. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going on with Devers, but yeah, that's uh, it's exciting to think about. Yeah. 
All right, next bit of news here. Uh, MLB has voluntarily agreed to recognize the MILB Players Union. Um, this is kind of interesting. It's still going to take some time for the MILB Players Union to, you know, become a thing. But, you know, MLB stating that they're not going to go out and fight this is is sort of big news. Uh, and our, our friend of the show, Evan Drellick, who has been on the show a number of times here, uh, was re- retweeted by President Biden. Did you see that? I didn't see that, but that's great. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool um, to see. You know, I feel like that's almost like uh, what do you call that when we're like connected to the the thing, but not like, initially like third degree or something. I don't know, but we are uh, we were basically almost retweeted by the president. I feel like. <laughs> Since we've had Evan on our show. So I'm going to give us a little bit of credit there. But what are your thoughts on the MILB Players Union? Love it. And shocked that the MLB didn't fight it. Yeah, me too. Um, I wonder if they were just like, okay, we've had enough bad press this year with the lockout and all this stuff. We're just going to look like complete assholes if we fight minor leaguers uh, being treated like humans. But, you know, they've they've fought that for years. So, yeah, I was surprised as well. But I'm happy for the the players. And, uh, you know, the minor leaguers won a, a pretty big settlement over the offseason uh, for for wages. And, uh, you know, this is just a, another great step for them being taken care of because, you know, it, there's just so many things that suck about being a minor leaguer. Um, the long bus rides, the the pay is bad. Um, the housing situation, the food situation at a lot of clubs, the fact that you have to break your lease and pay for two places when you have to move up levels. I mean, there's a lot that goes into the trials and tribulations that these guys have to deal with that guys in other sports just frankly don't even think about. You know, we think about guys who get drafted to the NBA or the NFL or whatever, and it's just like, no, they don't have to worry about any of this stuff. Even the NHL, they do a better job with their minor league system. So um, it's it's going to be nice to see these guys treated like humans and actually get taken care of. Yeah, I think the why I was surprised was didn't in the spring training, MLB fought to uh, not pay minor leaguers who are in spring training camp. Because they're trying to like claim that they were technically trainees and not actual players, and it's like, yep, that is true. <laughs> there's like eight minor leaguers in your camp for three weeks. Just pay them. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it, something as petty as that they would fight. So I, I really expected them to fight tooth and nail on this, and so the fact that they voluntarily recognize it is kind of shocking. Um, so I, I really want to see. Um, how all of this unfolds. Um, but it, yeah, it definitely feels like a really awesome step in the right direction. And just, just hope that they hopefully bargain in good faith with them and don't, you know, stiff arm them and throw up a bunch of roadblocks and be a bunch of jerks about it. But I feel like they probably will. You know, it's it's kind of interesting when you when you look at baseball uh, from an American history perspective. 
you know, the fact that it's been a lot around so long since the, the late 1800s and it's had so many evolutions, you know, it's almost followed the same track as American, you know, worker relations in this country. Um, and it, it's funny how many things are relics from a bygone age of just how antagonistic um, some of the relationships are between MLB and the players, you know, things that no other sport has like arbitration is objectively crazy. You know, when you think about yeah. the fact that MLB has players every year that have to go argue why they deserve a certain amount, and then the players, the the team sends a representative to argue all of the reasons why they don't deserve that amount of money. Like, that is incredibly antagonistic um, and, and not good. We saw the relationship that it had, like, between the Yankees and Judge, and they decided to avoid it altogether and just split the difference. Um but it doesn't lead to good feelings ever. So it's it's just really yeah. weird. Baseball is weird. Well, the only reason that ended up happening with Judge is because of the lockout, extending arbitration into, what was it, like June? Yeah. And he was having an absurd season, and they would have looked like absolute fools. So they were like, let's avoid that and just settle. If he was having a poor start to the season, they would have they would have rode that all the way to the end. Yeah. But the fact that he was having the best season of any player in the league at the time, they just, they couldn't. There's nothing they could do. Yeah, I, I hope that you know over the, over my lifetime, baseball gets dragged kicking and screaming into the modernity, uh, and and I think we're seeing that. So I'm happy about all these developments. Yeah. All right. Um, we do have some great listener questions today, and we have a lot of them, so we're going to get right to those right now. Our first one comes from Shieldsy, and he says, does JD stay or go? What do you think, Keaton? Nah, this one's tough. Um, I think that he goes. Yeah, I agree. I think JD is gone. Um I don't think the team wants to commit the amount of money that it would take for him to stay or potentially the term that it might take for him to stay because at this point, JD has become very unreliable, um, not just from an offensive standpoint. We've seen so many lulls uh, this year in his offense, but also just from a pure availability standpoint, it feels like his body is breaking down at a faster rate Uh over the last couple of years than it had the first few years of this deal. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, we're talking about like a tail of two halves with a lot of guys with the Red Sox, but um, like based on the first half, I think they would have been really happy to give them a qualifying over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now based on what's happened since, I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I don't think he gets one at this point, which makes them not trading him for anything look really stupid at this point because they're still going to be above the luxury tax. Yeah. I bet they wish they had that one back. Yeah. All right. Our next question is a very interesting one from a former member of over the monster Shelly first rate verse straight. One of our favorite people. 
She says, would you trade interesting minor leaguers like York, Downs, or Mayer for Sean Murphy? Or sign a big money contract with Wilson Contreras? Or hope for a cheap hometown deal with Christian Vasquez? She's talking about different ways we could look to address the catching situation uh, in the offseason. So which of these is most attractive to you? Or is there some other thing that you'd do? Sean Murphy is the most attractive to me. I think there's a deal to be done there with like downs and some other piece or something. Contreras is an interesting one, but I don't know that I'd want to give him the length just because catchers are weird. Um, and Vasquez, um, was I mean Vasquez is interesting. I just the age with him though is is the thing again. It's like a I don't know if I really want to commit a whole bunch of years there. Yeah, I I think that the Red Sox are going to do one of two things. I think they're either going to trade for Sean Murphy or they're going to run with Wong and uh, Reese McGuire as a cheap platoon. Uh, next year, I don't see them spending on Contreras because uh, his defense and receiving skills are not particularly good, and they really value that at this position. And clearly, there were things about Vasquez's receiving and game calling that they were not thrilled with. So I actually don't think he's an option to come back. Yeah. Um, but I would trade any prospects other than Casas, Mayer, Blaise, Bayo for Sean Murphy. And that includes, you know, interesting guys like Sedan Rafaela or Brian Mata or, you know, Edison Paulino or, you know, any of these guys, Nick York. I would trade any of those guys to land uh, Sean Murphy. And I think it would be smart of them to do it. I just think that those guys that I mentioned, Blaise, Bayo, Casas, and Mayer are going to be completely off limits. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, would uh, would you add uh, your man, your, your Carter Crawford there? Sure. To, to complete your prophecy. Yeah, I maybe uh, <laughs> maybe even uh, Jaron Durant too. Who knows? Um, yeah, yeah. I I think there's a deal to to be done there. The Red Sox have a lot of interesting pieces. Um, I I think Rafaela would be really hard for them to say no to because he's so elite with the defense right away. They play in a pretty big park out there. I think that's the guy to watch uh, to be a centerpiece of a deal for Sean Murphy. Yep. I would agree. Uh, Next question comes from a great big Lark who actually has uh, a couple questions. Um, he says, I spent a bit of time doing the math for next year's payroll and calculated that doing uh, all of these things, uh, talking about extending Devers slash Xander, signing a top outfielder and above average catcher, a good starter and a few solid relievers and maybe a closer uh, would all be on the table and they'd be able to do this by getting above the first CBT level, but below the second. 
so he basically asks us in these two questions to say, uh, where will Bloom disappoint us when it comes to, uh, you know, filling these gaps? So which of these do you think they'll do or, or not do? Well, there seems to be two obvious answers here. Um, or easy answers, maybe not obvious. But the trend seems to be nothing with Xander, which is a huge bummer. So that would that seems to be a massive disappointment. Uh, and the other one would be doing nothing at Ketter and rolling with McGuire and Wong. Yeah. Um, I, I think... Okay, so I have more faith at this point that they re-sign Xander than I do that they re-sign Devers. And I don't know exactly when and why that switched in my brain, but I just feel like (laughs) that it has. Um, So I'm kind of hopeful that they get something done with Xander. Maybe it's just because it's the, the thing that's right in front of me. I don't think they sign a top outfielder because the outfield class is extremely weak aside from, you know, Aaron judge. I do think Sean Murphy is a real possibility. I do think they'll get a starter and I think they will trade for some solid relievers. Um, I don't know if they'll pay a closer. I think they should. Um, but I think they'll disappoint us in the sign a top outfielder and get something done with Devers. And I think that probably they will not sign an established closer like they should. I don't know that they need to, though. Did this year not convince you, Keaton? Well, you can find a closer in other ways. So I don't... But they didn't. Well, no. I mean, I'm not saying the way that they (laughs) tried to do it this year is how you should do it. I'm saying... I don't think you need to go out there and spend a whole lot of money on a closer. There are there are other ways that you can find a closer. They don't need to necessarily be an established closer, but you can find a high leverage receiver, a high leverage reliever, mm-hmm. to be your closer without spending a whole lot of money on it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that that's a possibility. You know, like uh, one of the guys that comes to mind is uh, San Francisco picking up Dominic Leone, basically off the scrap heap from. Uh, Toronto where he had like uh, a couple of injuries and some disappointment and they turned him into a very good reliever again this year. There are lots of guys like that that you can either trade for or acquire who have good traits. And I think that that is the way that Bloom wants to build a bullpen. So I do think that he will continue to attempt to build a bullpen in that type of way. So I think, I think you're right, Keaton, but if it was me, I am very much a fan of the Dombrowski, like, need closer, go get closer type uh, type of plan. <laughs> I would I would sign Edwin Diaz, but, you know, again, it's not my money. Yeah. Um, House of Kuzu has two questions for us. Uh, he says, now that clearly he has issues with the Padres front office, would you trade for Tatis Jr.? I don't think he would cost a lot, giving his recent issues plus his massive contract. He can easily play left field at Fenway. That's his first one. 
Um, I mean, I would happily take Tatis Jr., but he would definitely still cost a lot. Yeah, I think his his uh, contract is crazy reasonable, uh, which is also crazy to say given the season that he just had. But his ceiling is Not absolutely so. bananas. Yeah, um, and he would easily play shortstop if he came here. Yep, or he would play center field. Um, and yeah, you would have to give up like the entire farm. Uh, to get it done. And I'm not saying I wouldn't do that. Um, I probably would. But just feels real unrealistic. I mean, do you think that they will entertain moving him, considering how disappointed they were? No. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was obviously a downer of a season. He was coming off a year where he had 42 homers, 25 steals, and hit 282 with a 364 OBP. Like, there's 0% chance that's not... I mean, it's 7.3 war. It's nuts. And that was his age 22 season. Like, that's, that's wacko. That's a wacko stat line for a 22-year-old. It is insane. Yeah, there, yeah there's they no would way. just be... They would be killed for, for trading Especially after they just got Soto. Like, they haven't even seen those two guys on the field together. Yeah, and Soto's been kind of garbage for them since he's been there, which is kind of weird. So, uh, yeah, you got to see how all that works together. Uh, keep it together in San Diego. Yeah. His next question, though, is is, is very interesting. He says, what would be uh, three realistic offseason targets via trade or free agency? He says, his are Sean Murphy, Mike Clevenger, and Taylor Rogers." Um, Sean Murphy I, is a perfect one. Yeah, Sean Murphy's awesome. I I love that one. That would definitely be on my list, but I would actually like the following uh starting pitchers a whole lot more than Mike Clevenger. Uh Chris Bassett, uh Jacob deGrom, obviously, but I think that's a long <laughs> shot. Uh Charlie Morton. I would definitely like a one or two year deal with him. Carlos Rodon, uh, who's having a tremendous year. And Justin Verlander. If you could get a couple years out of Verlander, I would much rather have any of those guys than uh, Mr. Clevenger. I was just about to say Rodon. He would be up there. That would that would be wonderful. I would give him a bunch of money in years. As far as the relievers go... Um, my group that I really like for this particular offseason, uh, and Taylor Rogers is a fine reliever. Um, I like him, but I would rather have either Edwin Diaz, Rafael Montero, who's really had a great season in Houston, uh, Kenley Jansen, who's had a little bit of a down season, but I still like his stuff, and Zach Britton, a guy coming over from the Yankees, um, who has not pitched all of this season. He's currently rehabbing right now. We all know about that bowling ball sinker that he has. He is older at 35, but, you know, I think you could sign him for relatively cheap and he could have a top five reliever season for you guys. The Red Sox, I should say, as a closer next year. I think that'd be a kind of like a sneaky target. That is interesting. Um, 
this is actually the first time that I'm looking at like the whole list of relievers. There's a lot of them. This is like a this is a heck of a reliever class. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I mean, Evan Diaz would be great, but he's gonna get a buttload of cash. So I've just always loved Britain, man. Yeah, you have. He's so good. Um, you know, I don't mind Taylor Rogers. That's I'm okay with that. He, he's um, a left-hander, right, Taylor Rogers? Yes. Yeah, he's he's nasty though, so I, I like that one. I think that'd be a good fit. Yeah. I think so. You're you're. I know this is going to shock you, mm-hmm. and you're going to hate it. Okay. <laughs> but I would kind of like to see Brendan Nimmo. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I do hate it. <laughs> I just think he's going to get way too much money, and he just doesn't stay on the field. Like, yeah, I knew that's I, what you would hate about him. <laughs> I just don't have time for that anymore. You know. Yeah. It's just going to piss me off, and we're just going to talk about it ad nauseum on the podcast. But um, it's so like he stopped running, and now he's been healthy. So maybe that was the key. What if he gets it in his head again that he's healthy and he starts running again? Oh, with these bigger bases? Oh. <laughs> yeah. well, maybe. I'd still do it. <laughs> I mean, dude's got like, it's, it's like 400 OBP, man. You love those on base guys. I do. It's just he scares the crap out of me. Um, but at least Ryan Brazier would have a buddy if he came over. So, you know, they share the same politics. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. (laughs) Um, all right. Moving on to our next question. Uh, this one comes from Patio D and this is a very good one as well. He says with the team clearly out of it for the rest of the season, what are some things that we can watch for in the remaining games? Um, you know, first thing that came to mind for me was um, some of the fringy relievers on the team. Caleb Ort, uh, Eduard Rizzardo, looking for signs that they might be part of the bullpen next year and sort of viewing this as a tryout for who actually has a spot in what we hope is a contending 2023 bullpen. That's a good one. First thing that came to mind for me was Brian Bale. Mm, yeah, Bayo's development has been just tremendous. Uh, he's been on some pretty amazing lists as far as, uh, you know, things that he's doing statistically and how hard his pitches in the zone have been to hit and things like that. So, yeah, Bayo starts are an absolute must. That's a great one, Keaton. He also got like six pitching ninja gifts from his last start. It was fantastic. His sinker is disgusting. Yeah. It's just one of the best pitches to watch. So, yeah, definitely tune in for every Bayo uh, start. Um, I'll add one more, and it's very obvious, but, uh, you know, Tristan Casas at bats, he's like the king of 3-2 counts right now. He sees a ton (laughs) of pitches. The results haven't been great, but the process has been pretty good. I I think it'll be interesting to uh, continue to watch his at bats down the stretch. Yep. And obviously, we left out the biggest one. The Xander Bogarts uh, chase at his first batting title. That's uh, a great reason to watch. That definitely should have been on the list. Yep. Uh, All right, next one comes from the surfing guy. We we addressed uh, how much would we give Bogey, 
but how much would you uh, give to Rafael Devers? We we did talk about briefly like the comparison to the Austin Riley deal, but uh, how much do you realistically think Devers can expect to get in uh, free agency, or what should he get? Well, this is what we would give him, right? Yeah, I think so. Well, I would give him three hundred million dollars. Hey. It's not my money, so I don't care. Yeah, let's give him three hundred million bucks. Yeah, I would give him. I mean, I would start at ten and three hundred on the nosy nose, and then I'd probably go up to like I don't know three ten, three fifteen. I think if you got Bogey done for eight and two twenty, like I had said, I think you could give Devers. 10 and 280, and I think he'd take it. But I don't think he would take that if you don't sign Bogey. I agree. I do agree with that. I feel like if Bogart's gone, the likelihood that Dever stays uh, goes down quite a bit. Yep, definitely. Gavin Blackburn. Great question about a couple young guys that um, definitely haven't lived up to their potential so far. He says, Dahlbeck and Duran reach unrestricted free agency in 2027 and 2028, respectively. Do you give them longer to try and reach their potential, or do you try and move them for someone else? Uh, and probably thinking about moving them this offseason uh, is, is what I think, given the amount of holes on this team, but uh, what are your thoughts on, on Dahlbeck and Duran? Who do you want to keep? Who do you want to move? Dahlbeck is who he is. Like, he's done with his development at this point. I don't think there's a whole lot left there. Mm-hmm. Duran, I think there is. To keep talking about this, that every single level, at least from a offensive perspective, every single level with consistent at-bats, Duran's been able to figure it out. The issue is, don't really have consistent at-bats to give him. And then also, if he's playing trash defense, you can't keep giving him at-bats because <laughs> so there's got to be like a little bit of a trade-off there. So, I th- don't I don't think that Duran basically has the runway to reach his potential here. I think he's got to go somewhere else. Mm. But I think he should be given more time because I think he can reach it. I just doesn't. I just don't see how the puzzle fits together with the Red Sox. So your prediction is that both these guys get moved. Yeah, but I also think that Duran gets better. I don't think Dalbuck does. Okay, um, I agree with you on the idea of selling low on Dalbeck is probably the right move, um, and probably better to sell low while he has all these years of control left. Um, and I do agree with you that I think Duran needs to be on another team uh, to reach his potential. But I do think that his value is still significantly higher than oh, yeah. Bobby Dahlbeck's for the reasons that you stated. Because yeah. the raw tools are just insane. Yeah. And, with the, I mean, combine that with the, the speed. Yeah. I mean, the runners like him just do not show up all that often, especially ones with five-tool potential. Um well, <laughs> four tool potential. That defense, I don't know if it's ever going to get there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, at least four. 
Um, all right. Next question comes from TJ McPhee, and he says, do you see Bloom finally uh, begin trading away any legit prospects this upcoming offseason, perhaps for a starting pitching or outfield upgrade? Uh, we, you know, we kind of talked about this with the Sean Murphy idea. Uh, we'd be okay with him trading real prospects for uh, Sean Murphy. Um, I would be okay with trading real prospects for a starting pitcher. I don't think I'd be okay with trading real prospects for an outfielder at this point, unless it was someone really special. Uh, what do you think? What are the what would be the priorities for you? Um. Yeah. I mean, starting pitching for sure. I would give up some prospects for. Um. That might be it, though. Because the lineup is still really good. Well, I guess I should say, assuming that, you know, certain someone is back. Yeah. <laughs> then the lineup is still really good. So I don't know that you need to to go out and really make a splash. I think you could sign a free agent. I mean, you, you kind of outlined that there's not like a ton of like overwhelming options at outfield, but there's there's a good enough option. And from a free agent perspective to basically fill out the lineup with someone who can play good defense and give you good at bats at the bottom of the lineup, turn the lineup over and just not be a black hole. Um, there's enough of those options on the free agent market. Yeah. Um, that's not going to break the bank and still give you the flexibility to make a, make a trade for a starting pitcher and sign a starting pitcher kind of deal. So yeah, that, I mean, that would really kind of be the only the only spot I think um, where I, I think it makes sense. Yeah. You always need more pitching um, and, yeah. and you're absolutely right. Like if you can get a cost controlled, really talented starting pitcher, you do that. Um, even if it means you're giving up some guys that it's uncomfortable, but um, you know, the pitching market is pretty good this off season. It's not, it's not weak. Like it has been in some past off seasons. So I think that there's, potential for them to um, avoid trading for a starting pitcher and just outright sign one uh, if they want to go down that route. But yeah, definitely uh, a Sean Murphy, though. I think that's the one to watch, considering they already talked to the A's about that at the trade deadline. Um, And the last question tonight comes from Chombo. He says, what free agent not currently on the team uh, do we go after this offseason? You have uh, any favorites so far? Um, you, you know, I, I mean, I do, but um, they're like my favorites. If I'm trying to put on my my bloom cap, um, I kind of want to know your favorites. Now you've got me interested. Well, Brandon Nimmo okay. is one. Um, what's Mancini's deal? Oh, that's a mutual option. Okay. Um, he could be a free agent. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be interesting. Be nice. I do a like little, his uh, story. Action. Yeah. That'd be an interesting one. High character guy, too. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, you mentioned... Um, uh, Edwin, that one for sure. 
but I feel like none of those really make sense from a Bloom perspective. What if uh, the Boston Pops came out and, and played Narco for Edwin Diaz every game? I mean, yeah, that would be great. I think he already had, well, yeah, I don't know if they'd be able to fly uh, Timmy in from Australia every time. So <laughs> they'd need somebody to fill in. <laughs> so, is that still Keith Lockhart running the show? Uh, I have no idea at this point, but, you know, I know that the Boston Pops exist. That's about, uh, and that Tanglewood exists. So that's the extent of my knowledge. Um, for me, just from an aesthetic standpoint, because pitching is like my favorite part of the game. Um, Chris Bassett, I love, and I want to see him on the Red Sox just because I would really enjoy every one of his starts. Uh, and then, uh, Zach Britton, who we talked about, I love that sinker. So I'd love to see both of those guys in a Red Sox uniform next year. So if you had to try and pinpoint one if you're trying if you're putting on your bloom cap Mm -hmm. and you're trying to if you're squinting real hard and you think that's that's the one guy i think bloom's going after who do you think it is man it's hard to think like bloom because i think so much differently than bloom uh, it's, yeah, it's, I'm having that the, that exact problem. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. It's probably someone super shitty who we don't want on the team. I. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, I almost just said Kevin Kiermaier. But they are already bringing Kike Aaron in his back. Um, that wasn't the case, then that probably would be it. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm having a really hard time trying to pinpoint one. I actually think that one of the guys we ought to watch for, and he's not shitty at all, is um, uh, Trey Turner. I think that that is going to be the guy who Bloom really wants. And, that uh, seems nuts to me. Yeah, uh, and, you know, I think he just likes the fact that Trey's so fast. He's such a good hitter. He can play outfield if you need him to. He can move around the infield. Um, I I would not be shocked if that ends up being this year's, you know, Trevor Story, except much more high-priced. I think that's why I would be shocked. I mean, I would absolutely love it if Trey Turner was on the Red Sox. But I just don't see. I just don't see it. Okay, let me give you two options here before we end the pod. Xander at eight years and two twenty, or Trey Turner at ten years and two eighty. Who do you want? Oh man. Um. Oh, um, yeah, that's pretty, uh, probably, shit, I don't know, flip a coin, I think I'd be happy with either. 
<laughs> you can't do that. You can't <laughs> cop out on me, man. All right, that's that's fair. Um, I really like Trey Turner. Ugh. I know. Ugh. All right, what a what a dirty feeling to end this podcast. <laughs> No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have to say. I'd obviously go with Xander there. He's the known quantity, um, and also I'm romantic about baseball, so I want him here forever. Um, but you know, objectively, it'd be hard to uh, say that signing Trey Turner is a bad baseball move. So, yeah. All right, Keats. That's the show, man. Uh, we do hope you all enjoyed this episode. Lots of great listener questions. So thank you to each and every one of you who uh, submitted a question and some of you who submitted a couple. Um, you can tune into this show on any of your podcast listening platforms. Please rate and review us if you uh, listen to us on iTunes or any service that allows you to do so. Um, you can follow Keaton on Twitter at, at the Spoken Keats. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Deb Jake. And you can follow the Over the Monster account at, at Over the Monster. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be with you again next week. <laughs>